Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Rhino Podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Interviews with your favorite artists and bands about the songs and albums you love. Here's your host, Rich Mahan. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, it's part two of our conversation with Jerry Goldstein and Lonnie Jordan from the band War. gentlemen welcome back to the rhino podcast john hughes how are you buddy i'm great rich how are you doing i'm doing just fine thank you for asking excellent excellent lots of good music happening uh you got war again today huh yeah we got part two and i think we're getting into some of the bigger hits this time around and we got some great stories about uh, them sharing their big successes in the early mid 70s so we got some good stuff Excellent. Well, we've got some good stuff coming up on Rhino and Rhino.com. First off, Lindsey Buckingham, you know, he has announced that first solo album of his in, in a decade. It's his first solo release since 2011's Seeds We Sow. It's self-titled. It follows his departure, of course, from Fleetwood Mac. And with the uh, seven studio and three live albums he's released as a solo artist beginning in 1981 with Law & Order, the new project showcases Buckingham's instinct for melody and his singular finger-picking guitar style. Written, produced, and recorded by Lindsay at his home studio in L.A., the album is going to be, of course, on vinyl, CD, and all digital and streaming services. If you want to get something a little rarer and collectible, a limited edition blue vinyl version is now available for pre-order at lindsaybuckingham.com. Lindsay Buckingham, the album, is due out September 17th, 2021 on Reprise. He is one of my favorite guitar players. This guy, his finger style is really unlike anybody else's. And great, fearless production ideas, right? Yeah, well, if you for production wise, he just goes for it. It's it's you know more so I think in the '80s stuff that he was doing, it was really out there. But you going back to his guitar finger picking style, have you ever seen him do Big Love solo? Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just him with that guitar, and he's doing all the different things at the same time. You're like, how are you human? Yeah, I know. He really is talented. And uh, this album is going to be a big one for him, because if you think about it, this is the first solo album he's put out where this is not a side project for him. This is it. He's yeah, no yeah. longer in Fleetwood Mac. 
100%. Speaking of otherworldly talents, Joni Mitchell has the Joni Mitchell Archive series with remasters of her first four albums in celebration of Blue's 50th anniversary. It's the reprise albums, 1968 to 1971. These are newly remastered versions of Song to a Seagull, Clouds, Ladies of the Canyon, and Blue, which, of course, was recently named number three on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. And it's just amazing all of the accolades she's getting lately. Well-deserved. We're really glad she's here to appreciate them and see them. And if you haven't checked it out yet, there's a five-song digital EP that is out that has previously unreleased demos and outtakes from the Blue Sessions. So check that out. And the box set is now available for CD, for LP, and digital versions out right now. And it's worth noting that Song to a Seagull was remixed for this box set. So it's a brand new mix by Joni. She said the original one lacked whatever it was she was looking for, and they've redone it, and she loves it now. And so it's great to hear it. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And if you are any fan of music and you have not yet experienced Joni Mitchell, what are you waiting for? The time is ripe. So much good Joni Mitchell music out now and coming and later this year with the second archives release also too so so much good stuff for sure thanks a lot rich we will catch you next time huh thanks john well this episode is part two of our conversation with original war members keyboardist vocalist and songwriter lonnie jordan and producer songwriter jerry goldstein we barely scratched the surface in the previous episode, and we've got them back today to talk about their biggest albums and songs of their career. background vocals have a very distinct sound to them especially you know you got the whole group slipping into darkness like hey, you sound pretty yeah. good oh. you're hired <laughs> <laughs> let me know when you go back on tour so you guys how would describe how you would catch the, the, the band vocals in the studio was that something that you would come in and overdub everybody standing around one yes, mic those, that once the track was done you know sometimes you got the lead vocal on the track too yeah. when the track was cut. But for the most part, once the track was done, then we created the song, you know, and put the background vocals on and the lead vocals on and all. That was the, the method. Then I would, like, everybody would disappear and I would just go editing with with my engineer for days and days and try this and try until that. All, until for, all his hair fell out. The engineer. <laughs> I watched it. I, had, I used to have engineers take strips of tape and hang them up on the walls. Just hold that for a minute and hold that. You know, and, and then I'd put it into a certain spot and the guy thought I was out of my mind. But it worked. Okay. Well, Sometimes that rubber that rubber band I told you about that he used to twiddle in his finger. Yeah. Well, I think some of that was the engineer's hair. <laughs> yeah, I was. You know, it was the way I would think. I play with tape, also. Yeah. I play with the tape. You know, with the uh, tape that you put on the console, and I go through reels and reels of tape, just thinking. 
you know, how the hell am I going to do this? You know? Right. Yep. And right. a lot of these edits were done in my head first, and then I tried them, and some worked, and some didn't work. You know, it's. But after a while, more worked than didn't work, and I got to understand how to do it. Yeah, like anything else, the more you do it, the better you get. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 But that slipping into darkness was like an amazing song, and you know, and a lot of people turn to me when I finished it and go, and the record company goes, uh, but it doesn't make any sense. I said, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it was the B side of Nappy Head, right? Nappy Head was the A side, and Slippin' was the B side. And we flipped it because we had our own promotion guys. And we flipped the record on them. And we did that a lot. Spill the Wine was a B side. Uh, yeah, we, Magic, I was trying. B side of Magic Mountain, right? Yeah, Magic Mountain was the A side, which uh, is the song that was sampled by De La Soul, one of the rap groups okay, in yeah. a long time ago. But that was the A side. Spill the wine was the B side, so everything was flipped. Wow! wow. <laughs> and most of the record companies, when you do, when you hear something that you've never heard before, are afraid to do it. You know, so they put them on the B sides, and we flipped them to the A sides. Flipping was another one. Nobody's ever heard a song like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's never been one. It was a gospel song, the lyrically and everything. It was about about our mothers, you know, our family, you know, watching us in a band and worried that we will go south. Take the dark road. Become drug addicts, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's right. basically what the story was about. And uh, we just took it. And, and and believe it or not, when I used to go into Tower Record Stores, I used to see that album, All Day Music, or Slipping in the Darkness as a single. I would see it in the rock category. I would see it in the R&B category. And believe it or not, in the gospel category. Wow. One night, I heard it on a gospel station. On a Sunday, I, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that I actually <laughs> heard it on a church, a gospel station. It became a huge hit. Slipping into darkness, yeah. When I heard my mother say, That shows you the wide appeal that that song has, yeah. that your music has. By the way, that album also had Get Down on it, which was, oh, you know, yeah. police and the justice were laughing while the bus us. You better get down. We had the red light going on in the stage when we played it, you know, and people responded to it. It was like we left lots of hits in the albums, but the albums always outsold the singles because I let the album tracks be long and be really close to the original jam. Yeah. And that's really it's the singles that I really edited to death. But the album tracks, I tried to keep really as they were. 
you know? Yeah. People love the albums. They were concept albums. And, every, and they always way outsold the singles. And the singles went gold. Wasn't me and Baby Brother on there, too, Jerry? The, the live one. We used the live Baby Brother that we, that we did at Hollywood Bowl. Hollywood Bowl. We created it with the boogie version. That's right. Yep. It's more Yeah, later on, we actually put the studio record of it out, I think, on uh, Deliver the World. Uh, yeah, Deliver yeah, the World. yeah, exactly. The yeah. So what, what made you guys want to re-record it? Did you just come up with a different idea for the arrangement? And you said, man, no, we got to get this. It's first. Oh. We actually had that first. That was part of the show. Baby Brother was part of the show with, the, with you know, that, that, that. The boogie version, yeah. Yeah, that was part of the show and you know at the end of all the music i decided just to put out that i loved it so i i put i put that as the last track we were booking the tour and that album was released and we got a phone call from a guy in philadelphia a big promoter and he said i want to play you in philly but i don't think you can you know i want to do a dance concert at the spectrum which is a, an arena, you know, 18,000. But what we'll do is we'll just, won't have any chairs and we'll make it a dance concert. And I think I can sell about 7,000 tickets, you know, and it'll look good. You know, there'll be nobody in the stands, but it'll be packed on the floor and it'll be a dance concert. You guys are a great live band. You won't have any problem, you know. And so I think he offered us like $15,000. And I went, yeah, that makes sense. But what happens if we sell more? Oh, uh, you're not going to sell anymore. So I go, okay, I'll take 100% of the sales above $70,000, which is 10 bucks a ticket, 7,000 people, right? Yeah. And nothing, you know, and then flipping into darkness comes out and becomes a huge number one record, right? And we're on, a, on, the, on tour and we're on our way to Philly. And that, you know, we get into Philly and we get to the arena about 8.30. You know, we're going to go on about 10. Um, about eight o'clock, we get there, we drive through the, and I notice there's like 10,000 people outside and we drive down the ramp into the stadium and I hear music and I go, one, uh, you know, they should let the people come in. You know, this is crazy. You know, so I get out of the car and I walk to the stage, right. And the place is packed. Not only is the floor packed, but all the seats are full <laughs> to the rest. Okay. And there's 10,000 people outside. that can't outside. Get in. Bus, Wow. Man. Uh, bus loads couldn't believe it. how about that yeah we hold the house record at the spectrum Twenty three thousand people in an eighteen thousand theater okay you mentioned that the your record sold better than the singles and you know world is a ghetto which is the album that followed that your 72 release that was billboard's best-selling album of 1973 it was number one on the billboard 200 chart and on the u.s r&b chart yes it was the biggest record of the year. 
from anybody that year. And by the way, we never even got a Grammy nomination. So go figure. Okay? Yeah, go figure. That's crazy. Well, you know, a lot of that is because there's no category to c- categorize us. We don't know? fit in a category. No, you can't go into a library. And uh, like I said, when I went to Tower Records, yeah. Store, we were every, we were scattered everywhere. Yeah. We were even in reggae. Yeah, see, they, yeah, they didn't know where to put you. We were in pop, we were in R and B, rock, we were in Latin, we were in jazz. You know, we, we had the albums in every in all these different places. Yeah. So anyway, getting into the world as a ghetto album, they were that was less of jams and more like World as a Ghetto was a song that, that they rehearsed and you know, worked on before they got in the studio. It was that still long. It was like one of the greatest recordings ever, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. And the quickest. And Charles' the sax solo is, is just yeah. beyond belief. B.B.'s and, vocal. And, and, yeah. and B.B.'s vocal is fabulous, yeah. you know. Yeah. Don't you know? Kid, which was the following single, shipped a million units the first day. It was gold the first day. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you guys must totally have been dancing, crazy. dancing. So, yeah. and that album outsold everything in 1972-73. Was the biggest selling album. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was also our biggest selling album too. And and we were up for a Grammy. Yeah, World Is a Ghetto and Cisco Kid were nominated for best song, R&B or something, yeah. or best group or whatever. I don't know. Right. We didn't win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we're the album of the year by far, and we weren't even nominated. Okay. And it was That's really right. probably the, should have been the better, the best album. Okay. Stevie, yeah, Stevie won, won over. Stevie won yeah. over us. Certainly should have been nominated one. at least, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it should have been at least nominated. Yeah, right? for sure. But Absolutely. look, you just deal with whatever you get and you get it. Like, City Country City, which was a 13-minute jam, which I kept intact on the album. That was a jam. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, DJs used to play it like a single in the middle of the night. They'd go out and have and go to the bathroom and do deal. Because it was 13 <laughs> minutes. They could announce it, put it yeah. on, yeah, and exactly. just leave the studio for a while and come back. Okay. People would say, actually, DJs would thank me for that. And by the way, even though that wasn't a single, it helped sell the album. Like, you know, it was like a single. Well, you it was guys... like a 13-minute single. Okay. to a lot of war yesterday and one of the things that struck me was that your album cuts maybe songs people have never heard if they're only familiar with the radio play stuff your album cuts sound so good man you can put your music on and let it play and just it just sets the mood yes sets the four cornered room as i sit in my four cornered room 
that was like unbelievable. That's why World Was a Ghetto sold so many because, you know, the album itself was a masterpiece from beginning to end. There wasn't one week spot in it. Up to this point, you guys were fast and furious. You were releasing albums like more than once a year. Sometimes. In 74, you didn't release anything. Were you working on the follow-up? Why can't we be friends? I think they were working on, on celebrating the success. Well, you guys must have been on the road all year, I would imagine, by then. We were, but we were celebrating the success. So, you know. Yeah, we were working on some parties. <laughs> okay, good for you. you know, <laughs> buying Ferrari Daytonas. And... Crashing yep. Ferrari Daytonas. <laughs> yes. You and Porsche celebrate. 930 yeah, turbos yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But, 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 all that being said, we were on the road experiencing a lot of issues that was going on before we would uh, be able to go out on stage and perform. A lot of, uh, I would say, places like Japan, Guam, I mean, uh, Europe, Great Britain, all these places, including the United States, would all have one issue in common, and that was territorial rights. In other words, every time we would come out and play, there would always be some kind of confrontation with the people out in the audience because they feel like we are their group not you you come from somewhere else you don't know they're our group what do you mean no they're a latin group no they're not they're a low group. no <laughs> they're a reggae group they're, they belong to yeah, us. our audience was so diverse no, it was yeah. <laughs> All genres of people. Yeah, they were like actually, actually, yeah. After, after Cisco Kid, we would play places like El Paso and get more money in pesos than we got it in dollars. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> people would come up from Mexico to see us. Yeah, yeah, I just think that speaks to the band's universal appeal again. Yeah, but that's how Why Can't We Be yeah. Friends came about, too. The positivity in that song, it is just such a positive song. I love that, you know? It's like, why can't we be friends, yeah. man? Come on, we have so much in common that you don't even realize. Exactly, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, all the issues. And that song came out of, like I said, those issues that was going on everywhere. We actually wrote that in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Wow. Because yeah, we couldn't communicate, and we were trying to find a place to eat. <laughs> and we looked like a gang so nobody wanted to talk to us you know? yeah i'm telling you and that was the end of our tour too by the way uh, japan was our last stop before uh time to go home and before we, we went just, in and cut the yeah, why can't we be friends home yeah 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 but yeah. uh we backstage we had we were in a holding pattern always for 45 minutes before we were able to go out and perform and it, it was frustrating so thank god we had our instruments backstage so we just started jamming and and whatever tape was ro rolling we had our instruments yeah we yeah. and we created yeah. the that's where it came from but he's right about uh us in japan coming out of a restaurant and uh, thank god that we all knew each other because even me had I walked up ahead of everybody and turned around and saw all these brothers from different parts of the uh, the world, if I didn't know, I would have thought they were all from different parts of the world. Everybody had a big afro, everybody had bell bottoms, and everybody looked like they were ready to uh, go into battle. 
<laughs> that's, where Jerry, that's where Jerry got the idea for the name. And I knew you were going to ask that, <laughs> Rich. <laughs> Rich, <is> Rich. <laughs> but the idea, the concept of us looking like we just came out of a battle, man, that was. Uh, well, Eric and I thought that was. Eric and I decided to call the band War because we figured that nobody would forget the name at that point. Okay, yeah. everybody was talking peace and love. So if we called the group War, people would go, "How could you do that?" You know, right. you know, but yeah. you'll never forget it. And people would talk about it. You know, and it'd create discussions, and it was fine. It worked. <laughs> I mean, really, it just becomes a way to identify the band. That's right. Not only that, but most of our lyrics to our songs pretty much met. As, as far as our name was concerned, yes, you know, because when we would sing about the world is a ghetto or it, it, get down all this, we're raging war against wars, mm -hmm. things happening across the water, things happening in our own backyards. We're delivering a message, deliver the word, you know, and yeah. uh, uh, baby brother who got killed, you know, in Vietnam or in the in Vietnam, yeah. all, all this went with the name war sure. and we didn't know that until yeah. later on you yeah. know and we were messengers of what was happening in the world you know and we would just tell it like we felt it yeah there probably wasn't any confusion once people heard your music and your lyrics they knew what uh, you were no about. not at all yeah after a while everybody just accepted it as the name of the band exactly. i mean we'd go to like places you know and you know in, uh, like atlanta or something and there's there's a big marquee, welcome war. Who's going to like, oh, come on, that's a little bit of a dichotomy, but it's great, right? It's like, a, I love that. You know, yes. And you were saying something about not not recording in 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 uh, 74. I think that was Deliver the Word. We actually went to Colorado to Jim Garcio's ranch. Oh, Caribou Ranch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, how was how was that working there? Did you get any work done? Or oh, it was a fantastic <laughs> studio. But we had a lot of fun on snowboards and whatever. We did a lot. Of, we did a lot of snowboarding and not a lot of recording. I bet you did. We we did a lot of snowboarding <laughs> and yes. boarding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But eventually we got that album done, and we did Gypsy Man yeah. and Deliver the Word and. And put in me and baby brother, which we had cut in '71, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, that was the first single. And you know, Gypsy Man was the second single, and that did pretty well. And worked our way to the Why Can't We Be Friends, which was like probably one of the greatest albums we ever did, and the most diverse. Oh, absolutely! And let's talk about your most popular song to date, and that is Low Rider, of course. I think that there are. The two Not, most. Why can't we be friends well, on lower? Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. But there are there are, aren't many songs in the world that are quintessentially Los Angeles songs. It just sounds like LA. LA. <laughs> it sounds like LA, right? I mean, LA woman certainly. That's like you're driving down the freeway, right? But like Lowrider, man, that's on. I'm instantly home. I live in Nashville now. But I hear Lowrider, and I am back in the South Bay cruising in the summertime, man. It's an uh, awesome, yep. awesome song. Talk about Lowrider. How would you get the idea for that one? How would that one come together? The streets. Well, that was a jam. That was a 45-minute jam. And I think we called it Harold and Charles. And it had an incredible groove. And I think Charles said, he'll, you know, that he's working on a lyric, right? So the next day... 
comes into the studio with this lyric, and I will never forget this. Okay, and he and he bought and, the lowrider car too. You know, but he had his lowrider car, right? Yeah, yeah. He's and just, yeah. we're out admiring. We're out admiring the car, and yeah. I read this lyric, and it's nothing like it should be. I think the lyric was like, "If you want to do it right, do it in the morning." You know, I, I swear, can couldn't make that up. Okay, <laughs> and I went, "I don't think that's the right lyric for this song." However. Let's write about lowriders. You're a lowrider. Let's let's do something about lowriders. And as soon as I, we we said that, everybody started to write what a lowrider was. Yeah. And we wrote down the lyrics, and I rearranged them, and did whatever I had to do on the lyric side, and made a lyric sheet. And then I had like, you know, Charles get out and sing it. And there were a lot more lyrics than we actually used. I mean, the thing was like the actual records probably. I have a seven-minute or a six-minute version. Yeah, it's pretty long. But when I finished the editing at 5 o'clock in the morning a few weeks later, I decided to go with the shortest version of the five that I put together because I wanted people just to come back to it and come back to it and come back to it. And that's why it's only three minutes, but it's like power-packed three minutes. Low rider, a little slower. that way in the album also i never put out the long version of it charles was on a mission too he came, he walked in with uh, happy about his car had a bottle of jose cuevo salt and a lemon and he came and <laughs> yep. and, and his voice uh and i i'm sure that that jose cuevo that just deepened his voice and, and he just had this animated attitude yeah <laughs> and he came off with it and along with jerry help you know with the lyrics he just said okay let's go with it <laughs> you know and um, why can't we be friends we just you know wrote a whole bunch of lyrics down and everybody got out and sang a line you know took apart yeah and, oh yeah and, love that I put, it, put a, it all together that's such a great part of that song too of it all is that we were not serious serious we were kind of like having fun doing all this okay yeah this is kind of fun yeah the whole attitude in the studio we had this huge studio that we worked in called crystal it had a gigantic control room and a much bigger studio so we could have friends over hanging out in the studio and not be in the way party you know and sometimes (laughs) we threw friends out on the microphone to sing with us you know yeah, you know, make them work. Uh, Howard's wife sang on the backgrounds, yeah. you know, of the and the world's a ghetto, you know. Yeah. Well, your songs sound like a party, so that's only fitting. Yeah, it, yeah. it was and a party. And it was a party. And the beauty of it is the studio was so big you could have the party and still work at the same time. Yeah, that's great. And that and that was the feeling of yeah. a war sessions. There are yeah. always lots of friends hanging around. The only other uh 
bands or groups that used to record there was all Motown. You know, it, it, it was Stevie Wonder had the we had the the evenings locked out. He had the days, the afternoons locked out. We used yeah. to see Stevie every day when we got to the yeah. studio. He was finishing yeah. up and leaving. You know? We wow. were he the was, only he was non, amazing. We were the only non Motown group there. You know? I'd walk into the studio. I, I, I'm not sure I'd say anything, and he'd say hi, Jared. Like he knew, like you could see me. He knew I, your I, vibe. I, I could never believe. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe him. Okay. Wow. He could go to anybody and tell you who you are. If you lose one of your senses, the other ones become more heightened. And there's, so, you know, there's also yeah. the senses. Yeah, there's also the senses that you can't really name. Intuition, all that sort of yep. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, in '76, you guys released War's Greatest Hits, and you again were ahead of the curve by including an unreleased single on this collection. Something that's commonplace today, but just was not done back then. And that was nobody's summer. ever done it. Yeah, it's genius, genius. So it gives the fans that already have those songs a reason to buy the record. And it's not you just like it's not a throwaway song. Summer is yeah. It went it went on. gold. Okay. Yeah. As a single. Yeah. Riding around town. It was the first time a greatest hit. A new greatest hit was put into a greatest hit album. Yeah. Uh, And became a greatest hit. Uh, You know, one of the great things about War is that your band is so able to deliver a vibe with a song. And with that song, Summer, it absolutely captures that summer feeling. Just chilling with your friends. Maybe you're at the beach. Maybe you're going to get some tacos. But... It's a vibe, huge vibe on that one. Yeah, it's always a vibe. I think it's an extension of all day music, which is another beach song, yes. you know, yeah. and and, be, and being around Jerry was also a big influence on us because Jerry's all Jerry's friends, including the Beach Boys, you know, and I used to love the Beach Boys. I loved their harmonies and uh, even the Beatles loved their harmonies. Yes. <laughs> but I love their harmonies. Yeah, sure. and, and, and if you hear one of the section in the song, you know, one background part of the song. Ooh, oh yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know that that, yeah. that was the high that background was a, vocal. I'm actually yeah. singing it. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> was a borrow. That was a a, a loan. <laughs> Not to mention the I back- borrowed that from the Beach Boys. Yes. Yeah, but but now let me tell you what part I borrowed. I used to go to Burger King all the time while we were in the studio uh, in the Valley, and I it was so hot. I came back with a hamburger and I I started eating and we I, I could not figure out what to do with this song. And finally I I remember playing the melody, which I love. Try it your way. That was it. <laughs> that one line. <laughs> That's it. Oh yeah. Cause it's some summertime. <laughs> that was it. That took it all the rest of the way, you know. But I did it on piano. Yeah, I think, I think I, if I can remember correctly, Jerry took that and started writing lyrics, you know, uh, and we started going because Jerry was writing it summer for New York. 
Yeah. I said, well, wait a minute. What about the beach in California? <laughs> well, there you go. Once again, appealing universally, right? Exactly. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. uh, fire hydrants, uh, you know, I, we don't. We weren't playing with no fire hydrants here in California. That's a New York thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. You're at the beach, right? You'd run out to the beach and cool off because it'd be 20 degrees cooler at the beach than it was in town. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, but it worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all worked. Yeah, it worked. It was, and it was a big hit. It was the right time. Yeah, and it tiny. became the uh, the greatest hits from the greatest hit. Yeah. Which, and by the way, it's still not on any other album except the greatest hit. How cool is that, though? It, it nice. never wound up on a regular album. Yeah, yeah. But Rich, you're right, Rich, about a lot of the album cuts of like uh, another song that didn't become a single, but it played in movies, and that's uh, "Don't Let No One No." Yeah, I never. Yeah. That's Get right. You, you know? Yeah. That. Yeah. Another one. We never released that as a single, and it could have been easily. But again, it's it's part of the Why Can't We Be Friends album, which also became a classic album and sold many, many millions of records. Oh, yeah. So, I think it was know, a Mi, Mi Vida Loca. Mi Vida, Mi Vida Loca. Could be. Yeah. 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 Girl Prison, yeah. A lot of our stuff winds up in movies. Yeah. A couple and, of and, you know, like, like Lowrider with Cheech and Chong and that. Oh, and the yeah. Smoke movie. That's a huge, huge place. Slipping in the darkness. Oh, know? yeah. We're gone in sixty seconds. Lowrider, Days and Confused. I mean, the list goes on. I can, I can go on and on. Oh, it's you know, on and on and on and on and on, and it's still happening. So it's great. Well, what's next for War now that the pandemic is lifting? What are you guys up to? The future is in the hands of uh, a lot of people who have been inviting us or wanting to be a part of doing like a Broadway play with us. Wow. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, we're working on that. Well, we're excited to see you guys get back out on the road. I went to your website and I saw you do have some dates and I can only imagine that now that things are starting to open back up, you guys are getting out there and booking some more dates. Uh, no question. We're going to be everywhere. Yeah, we just got finished doing Cabo San Lucas. Nice. And we, and we also did Ventura, which was an incredible uh, night to, to, to be on a race, uh, what was a horse race track. And then I have four big screens surrounding in the middle of the field with cars all around the whole track and people like tailgate parties and oh, stuff. That you know? fun. That was that a drive-in cool. drive concert. Yeah. Yeah. Drive -in concert. yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to come catch you guys sometime this year because I'm excited to see you play live and have you know, everybody's so ready for live music again. Now everybody's chomping at the bit to get out there and see bands play. And I know everybody wants to see you play. So we'll be at the Orange County Fair in August and also at the Greek in October. Oh, Greek in October. Count me in, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You'll be there. <laughs> of course I'll be on stage, but I'm in. <laughs> I'm with you, Rich. <laughs> Lonnie Jordan, Jerry Goldstein, thank you guys so much for your time. Loved hearing your stories. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we have, we have like, I would say maybe 
five more hours worth of oh, I'm more sure. stories. I got more that feeling. Stories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we'll tell you more about it when the Broadway play come out. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys, take care. Okay. Thank thanks, you. Rich. very much to Lonnie Jordan and Jerry Goldstein for spending so much time with us and telling us all these great stories behind their hits. Make sure to catch War on Tour this summer and fall. You can keep up with what they have going on at their website, which is war.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time on the Rhino Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino Podcast. Producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Rich Mayhem Promotions. All rights reserved. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.